else what I was thinking about. Sometimes you can get stuck and it, it can affect your future decisions on how you approach certain things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certain memories reveal our emotional ties to different people and situations. Even though the ties and connections are not good and many are not godly. No matter how good upsetting or complex as some memories may be, we cannot allow them to control our destiny or our purpose. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Memory is the process by which we store information and we have the ability to recall the information that we stored at a later time. Our memory is impacted by how we learn information, retain or hold on to the information, recall and recognize that information. In fact, memory is only as good as you can, the, uh, the events or what's stored in memory can be recalled. When we're thinking about memory, we must realize that we have what is known as short-term memory, long-term memory, and what is known as sensory memory, in which we remember what we remember is closely tied to our senses. We know this to be true because many of us have experienced someone asking us to remember certain events from our past. Remember when we went to high school or when we went to the store as a kid or when we went on vacation or when we went uh, on that trip or when we went into the woods and without a flashlight. Remember when we went there, here, there, and everywhere. Remember, remember, remember when you went to visit your cousin and other family members back in the day. Remember when you went over to that, you know, you trying to get to the fair and one day you got a chance to go to the fair. You remember that time you got to go to Six Flags, boy? You, remember, you know, you were so excited. I'm going to Six Flags, y'all. And I'm going to ride that roller coaster. I'm going to get on that water ride. You know the name of the ride. You knew it had water on it, though. It was the water ride. Remember when you were uh, with, uh, you remember when you were person A and they treated you like? Sometimes that's good, a good memory. And sometimes that's not so good of a memory. Remember when you got that gift from person A and how you felt when you got that gift? Remember when you got up one morning when you used to believe in a certain person on a certain day and uh, they had that thing sitting out there and you got up and you were so excited, couldn't hardly sleep at night? You remember something like that? You remember when that teacher or coach from school who used to treat you a certain type of way and support you and helped you along the way and gave you advice? You remember uh, that quote-unquote teacher that didn't like you. You remember that? You, you remember all you thought that didn't like you. All types of memories that go on in our mind. Asking you to pull on that memory for a moment cause us to recall information as well as recognize certain emotions and experiences that were attached to that moment. Remember that time you went on that first date with that boo of yours that you married to today? Remember now when you got married, Bill, and the day of the wedding and so forth. Remember this past year when you went on vacation this year to this place or that place. A lot is stored in our memories. 
If I'm not careful, though, my memory of past moments can influence or impact me or control me to the point that I, re- I perceive or recognize what's going on around me from a different standpoint or a different point of view. In other words, what I remember can can shape the way I think and can shape my thinking. It gives me a perspective. Whether perspective is good or not so good, it gives me a perspective based on my memories. My experiences in life shape how I see the world today what I believe, what I don't believe, and so forth. I may remember the people in my past from certain events, certain things that come up in my mind, and I think about that particular event. I may, when I think about it, I may remember the people. I can remember the weather. I can remember the meal, the smell of the meal. I remember who was at that event. I remember the colors of the event. Sometimes you can have memories in black and white, and sometimes you can have it in color. You think about what's going on, and you start to remember the certain things that happened. Was it raining outside? Was it cold? Was it warm? Was it hot? What was going on? How do you feel about the situation? Was it good or not so good? Every detail I can remember of that event helps to solidify the event in my mind. But I must admit, it seems the older I become and the further back that event has taken place, the less details I seem to remember. I remember somebody told, asked, told me something recently, and they would tell me the events. They, they gave me the details. They gave me what the environment was, and I still couldn't remember it. I've been there, too, as well. It is a blessing and a benefit to me to allow the Holy Spirit to heal me, help me, and to restore me from past memories. Because some memories don't bring about good thoughts. I need the Holy Spirit to heal me from those thoughts. Sometimes you can lose a loved one, and when you think about that loved one, instead of remembering the good times, you can remember the times where the individual wasn't doing so well. You need help in being healed from that memory. Now, as mentioned before, my memory of past moments can influence or how I perceive or understand the world now. We have tons of information that is stored in our memory. And for many of us, we can recall our young adult years when we thought that we could do anything And we'd always be able to do anything that we thought or felt like doing until we realized that life has a way of bringing about situations, responsibilities, and so forth that has a way of changing our plans and changing our perspective on how we see things. For some of us, our memories can cause us to have a positive or optimistic outlook on life and help us to see life from a grateful and a happy mindset. And for others, our memories can cause us to be pessimistic, negative, and we can see life through the lenses of doom and gloom. The world is out to get me. We can be believers and allow our past memories of situations, people, and what we believe to happen to get us stuck in a certain mindset that will prevent us from growing and maturing in God. There are some people that have been fighting 
that they fighting because they have what they call or what we call church hurt. I was hurt by the church, but now I can't grow and mature in the church or in the things of God because I, I'm stuck in that particular area of my life. I'm missing out on what God has for me. I'm missing out on it. So you can be in the church and serving God's church, but not have yielded to the word of God when it comes to certain memories of the past. And I'll be honest with you, I've been down that road before. It's not a pretty road to be on because you miss out on the promises of God that he has for your life. Ooh, I, I don't like missing out on God's promises, y'all. I do not like missing out on God's promises. Now, because of what I'm stuck, my perspective and view of things tend to be more carnal-minded rather than spiritual-minded. The way I process information and work with people tend to be more carnal-minded rather than spiritual-minded. In my experience, I've found that there are moments from my past when when stir can bring up emotions and feelings to the surface of my mind. I can experience certain things, go to certain places, and all of a sudden, emotions start to rise up in me. I remember thinking about something one day, and I started to get mad, and that event happened a while back. I don't know if you ever lived long enough to, to have something happen to you, and then you think about it a long time later, and you get mad, and you need, the event already happened. Why am I sitting here getting mad? Here watching TV, can't enjoy the television because I'm thinking about something that happened to me. And this has been that happened to me a long time ago, and I'm still getting mad about it. Hallelujah. So, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Some of us have, have been hindered and blocked our own. Some of us have hindered and blocked our own blessings more than one time because we could not get beyond the past. We got stuck. Stuck suggests we're not moving. We're, we're in a certain place, and we know that we need to move forward, but we can't get to that place. The term stuck is synonymous with trapped, attached, and fixed. And see, I remember the time one year that the women's retreat, they went down to Florida one year, and they, they remember one day they was going to stop by the beach and take some pictures. They were going to, I mean, they was going to take some pictures. They were just going to, before they left, they was going to take, ooh, I'm going to get one more shot right here. And so they parked the van at this certain spot. Look innocent, though. The spot looked innocent. The spot looked innocent. It looked innocent. From what, now, that going by what they tell me. I wasn't there, y'all. But what they tell me, they tell me. So they got to that certain spot. They put the van there. They went out and took the pictures. And when they got back in the van and hit that, uh, put it down, cranked it up and put it down. And everybody, they ready to go. We're from the head back to Georgia, y'all. Head back to Villa Rucka, Carroll, to Noonan, and Weisberg, Carroll. And they hit the gas. And oh, I, it's going away. It ain't moving. It got stuck couldn't move the head to Carrollton because they were stuck. They were in a spot where they wanted to go somewhere, but they were stuck. They had all the good intentions of going somewhere, but they were, what, stuck. Had plenty of gas. Plenty of gas. Good ties. Good motor. But they were, what, stuck. And they were stuck in what they call sand. Sand look innocent, but can be deadly. Are y'all following me? <laughs> Stuck in sand. 
stuck in sand. And sometimes in our life, we can be all the intentions of the world going somewhere, but we're just stuck. We're just stuck. We're just stuck. I want to go, but I'm just stuck. Sitting there spinning. Sitting there spinning. Sitting there spinning. I've lived long enough, y'all. I, let me tell, tell on me. I told on sister, but I tell on me. I have been in situations. Oh, I can tell y'all one quick story. I was back at this church right here. Right here. This, this building right here. Trying to deliver something. Oh, I did deliver it. Uh, delivery got stuff out the van. Put the stuff in the van. Going to pull the van around to the front. At least I thought I was. And next thing I know, because I was trying to pull back around this way, I started going back toward the woods. And uh, I'm trying everything to get out that thing. Boy, I'm put down. I found every piece of rock and brick I could find is trying to stick under there. Couldn't go because I was stuck. Stuck can be frustrating. Struck can make you angry, boy. Struck can make, stuck can make you like, <clears throat> I tell you what, you almost want to just leave it sitting there. <laughs> but stuck, stuck, stuck. Now, stuck from a positive standpoint, I'm stuck on how uh, in the word of God, in God's written and revealed word. Yeah, stuck can be in a negative sense when we're stuck in the past, stuck on how we think that people treated us or respond to us. Listen, can't go nowhere because you're thinking about how they treated you. Sitting there spinning and not going anywhere because all you're thinking about is how they treated you. Certain members can cause us to get stuck in the way that will cause us to hinder, will hinder us from reaching forward in God and trusting God for better. See, memory has a way of bringing about feelings and emotions that can really impact how we think, talk, and make decisions. You know what I was thinking about? Sometimes you can get stuck, and it, it can affect your future decisions on how you approach certain things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certain memories reveal our emotional ties to different people and situations, even though the ties and connections are not good and many are not godly. No matter how good, upsetting, or complex as some memories may be, we cannot allow them to control our destiny or our purpose. One thing I can say about those sisters, they got, they got back to Georgia, though. It didn't stop their destiny or their purpose. They said, well, if I forget all this, I'm going to live here on the beach in the van right here. <laughs> but sometimes people get stuck, and they say, I'm just going to sit in this being stuck. Just sit there being stuck. Know you could probably get some help to get out. Know you can call somebody to get you out of this situation. But don't want to call nobody. Don't want to spend no money to get out. Don't want to call for help. I'm stuck over here. Don't want to get help. But you got to mature, grow up in God's word to the point that we deal with our memories based on the written and revealed word. See, Paul dealt with the power of memory in the in the Philipp to when he wrote the letter to Philippian church, because no doubt he understood that if they did not mature and learn to get 
get up and move forward, they will be stuck at a certain level, spiritually, mentally, financially, and such like, and will miss what God was desiring to do in their life. If you don't mind, turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 14. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13 and verse 14, which reads as follows. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget it, no longer caring for those things which are behind me, in the back of me or in the rear of me, and I'm going to reach forward, I'm going to stretch out, I'm going to stretch forward to those things which are ahead. Paul is speaking to the brethren, our fellow believers or fellow Christians in the faith, He says, I do not judge myself to obtain or lay hold of that which God has for me. Yet, he stresses two powerful mindsets that we must have and both directly and indirectly deal with when it comes to our memory. How we store, recall, and recognize information. Mindset number one, forgetting those things which are behind. Let go of the past, especially those things that cause us to be insecure, bitter, and pessimistic, and the things that hinder us from getting along and establishing positive and productive relationships. Let them go. Let go of the memories that cause us to have the mindset that they, they don't like me. It doesn't matter if they don't like you or not. It don't change your destiny. Then change your purpose. They're not treating me right. Everybody ain't going to treat you right. You might as well get over that. That is just a, a fattest fantasy. You think everybody's going to treat you right. They're not going to treat you right. And it's, and it's just, and yeah, I like this one. It's just like it's always been. Oh, nothing changes. Always the same. You got to forget those things and put them behind you. I've learned over the years that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody going to like you. That's just part of it. Paul goes on to say in the second mindset, reaching toward those things which are ahead. We must continue to learn how to reach forward, even when it stretches how we think, stretches how we make decisions, stretches how we respond to things. Stretching one sense means I'm going to be pulled wider, longer, bigger, but I won't break. I won't break. Stretching causes me to be uncomfortable sometimes because it puts pressure on us and takes us out of our comfort zone. And at times when God tells us to do certain things, fast for a certain period of time, give a certain level, study his word for so many hours, it stretches us because we haven't done it that way for or ever, ever, or maybe a long time. He's causing us to stretch. We're willing to forget, when we're willing to forget our past and reach forward to new things, it changes our perspective. It stirs our faith. We're able to see bigger and better happening for our life. Paul's letting us know that this is a personal decision I must make for myself. See, salvation is personal. It's my deliverance. 
It's my protection and it's my prosperity. I press, I make the effort. I run after the goal. I choose to go after the markers, the indicators for which God has put before me. And in Philippians 3 and 14, it says this, I press, I pursue, I go after toward the goal of the prize. The prize is an award of the upper or the high call. A call is an invitation, a purpose of God in Christ Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier, we must press, I must make the effort to run after the goal. The markers, the indicators for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In a stuck mindset, they will go after the prize. They can't move forward regardless of how much or she, he or she wants to move forward. My thinking, talking, and actions will be evident whether I have to let go of the past, allow God to stretch me in new ways, I must press forward. Others will see that I'm embracing the process that will lead me to the prize, the upward call, the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Message like today, forgetting the old, embracing the new, will help us to encourage us and strengthen us to allow God's word to change us in a manner that will position us to receive his best for our life. and when it lies, when it comes to forgetting one sense, it is a deliberate effort to fail to think, recall, or ponder on certain situations and people of the past. You got to be deliberate about forgetting the past. Got to be deliberate about it. You got to do what it takes in order to forget it, to consciously and intentionally fail to think about it. Because the enemy will bring your past back up. He will bring it back up. And he always noticed that the enemy always brings up something that's going to be negative. That's going to be something that's going to bring you in bondage. He don't never bring up what God's doing back in your life. He bring up stuff where you missed the mark, where you didn't pray. Listen, the time you didn't pray, you might have prayed five days in a row. But if one day you miss, he's going to throw that in your face. Throw that in your face. You know you didn't pray that one day. You don't pray five days in a row. Don't bring that up. One day you don't pray. One day you get mad. You went 18 days. You didn't cuss nobody out, told nobody out, did anything wrong. But that one day, that's what he bring up. He going to bring that up. That's what he does. That's what he does. If I was an enemy, I would do the same thing too. I'm sitting there recording you. I got my, my, uh, my camera on you. I'm watching you. And as soon as you mess up, boom, stop, edit, boom, throw that at your mind. It's called the wiles or the darts of the enemy. I'm going to throw those thoughts right at your mind. I'm going to throw them, boom, throw them. And every time you, you close your eye, boom, you're going to see that flash. You're going to see that thing where you did wrong. You're going to see where you messed up. You're going to see what you did wrong. You're going to see. And then after that, I'm going to bring some feelings with it too. I'm gonna bring, you're going to feel bad for yourself. You're going to feel bad. You're going to feel bad. I know you should have, yeah, you, oh, you didn't pray like you should have prayed. You didn't do like you should have done. You shouldn't have said what you shouldn't have said. I am going to mess, try my best to mess you up. I'm going to try my best. You're supposed to do this and you forgot to do it. Now, you did everything else, but you forgot to do that one thing. One thing. So you got to be careful you don't play in, into the trick of the enemy, though. You don't say, well, you know, dog, I did 14 things here, and then you bring up one thing? 
Don't play in the trick of the enemy. Don't play in the trick of the enemy. We have to make sure that we are deliberate in the forgetting those things behind us. I got to forget the old. I got to let go of certain things and not allow those events, people, and experience to influence my life in a way I began to see the worst in people and believe the worst in people. Enemy will play the worst out in people's lives. They will play. Listen, they didn't do this. One thing they didn't do. And let me say this here. What I've learned over the years, most of the time, you have an 80-20. 80% good and 20% not go good. 20% can be magnified and it seems like it's a whole lot. You're not going to have a perfect job. I'm going to tell you that right up front. You ain't going to have no perfect job. Mine will get over it. They, listen, there are going to be some parts of your job you just ain't going to like. But that's it, though. But it's going to be okay, though, because the parts that are good, is that's what's going to be beneficial to you. Like, you don't go to a job looking for self-esteem. I need to feel good about the job. They pay you. Feel good about that. You, get, you feel good with Jesus. Do you feel good? With you? Make sure to check good and feel good about that. But remember, nobody may be rich, but who? God. Nobody may be rich, but God. It's God that we love. So I must forget the old. I must embrace the new. Embrace says I'm going to welcome, accept, and hold closely a particular way, or f- way of doing things. I have to be a person who is open to new godly ideas. I need to be open and willing to accept suggestions that would cause me to think, do, and experience better, especially when it comes to God's written and revealed word. Jesus is the way, and he is the best way. Turn me, to, if you don't mind, to the book of John, chapter 14, and verse 6. The book of John, chapter 14, and verse 6. Jesus is the best way. And he is the best way for our lives. So John 14 and 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus told, told these believers, disciples, I am the way. I'm the matter in which you should think, feel, and make decisions. The truth and the life. No one comes or appears to me to the Father except through me. As a mature Christian, I must continue to ask the Holy Spirit to teach me to let things go and embrace his way. I need to do it God's way. God's way is the best way. Holy Spirit, teach us how to welcome and accept God's way of thinking, doing, and feeling more than my own personal way. My way is flawed, but his way is flawless. My way is limited, but his way is unlimited. My way is based on my natural perspective, but his way is supernatural. He's doing it seemingly abundantly above anything we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I want to avoid being stuck in my position or my, or my mindset where I am so attached to my past, I'm hindering my future and stopping God from doing the bigger and better in my life. God has given me a promise. All his promises are yes and amen. But my past hurts, my past experiences can become bigger in my thinking and way of doing things. 
Am I allowing my past to be bigger than his promises? I got to ask myself the question. I must learn to value the high calling or the high purpose of God in Christ Jesus in my life. I need to be in a position to see my higher calling from Jesus more valuable than my past or what is behind me. See, maturity in God's written and revealed word helps me to see that God is good and it's a blessing to trust him. Let's go to Psalms 34 and verse 8. Psalms 34 and verse 8. I like the way David put this. I've got to see the value of God. I got to see him more valuable than what I'm leaving behind. When I reach forth, I got to see God more valuable than what I'm leaving. If I don't see him more valuable, I might be like Lot's wife and look back. Psalms 34 verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He says, oh, taste, perceive and understand. And I like the word, see, learn and find out that the Lord is good. You got to learn that the Lord is good. I can tell you that the Lord is good from now until Jesus come back. But until you know for yourself that the Lord is good, it makes all the difference in the world. Because I'm not I'm with you when you go to work, when you deal with your family, when you go shopping. But you, God can be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And let me say this to you. When you know the Lord is good, oh, you walk around with a smile on your face. You say, huh, the doctor said something. You say, hey, he, he's still my healer. He's still my deliverer. Listen, you, you, the lawyer can tell you something. You're like, oh, God, God going to work this thing out. Oh, they can, quote, unquote, give you bad news, but you can say, hey, God is going to work this out for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. I am falling and I'm watching and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. And I like the fact that when you, when you know he's good, you trust him. You have confidence in him. You, you're, you place your confidence in him. Because you know the Lord is good. He's better than any choice you're going to make. But you got to learn it. That's why it's important to learn, get knowledge and understanding of the word of God. Because the Lord's always been good. You just didn't recognize he was good. You know the Lord was good before you got saved, don't you? And you know he'll be saved. He'll still be good. Amen. Even after we're going in the glory. He's still going to be good. In fact, he's going to be a little bit better because I have a glorified body then. I might have to see some streets paid with gold, but that's a different sermon. But you understand, you got to learn God's good. You got to learn that God gives you peace that passes all understanding. You got to learn that he's made his way maker. You got to learn, God, that he's a healer, a deliverer. He protects you. He's been doing it. You just got to know, know he's doing it. You got to learn that. See, no, most people don't understand that he's, what he's doing. And you have to learn what he is doing in your life. One thing I've learned, I didn't notice, and uh, I didn't really realize how good my parents were to me until after I left their house. I didn't realize they were that good to me. I thought everything was just wonderful. You know, you know I, I, thought, I thought they were mean to me. That's what I really thought. They were holding me back. They didn't want to give me nothing. They wanted to spend the money all them, on themselves. Life real. <laughs> Groceries cost money. 
We had a fan in the one. I said, man, these folks are mean. They ain't no, they don't treat me right. Man, you, I understand why they put the fan in the window. You get a light bill zooming up there, boy. You're like, what the world? Last month it was $25, $50. This month it's over. Put that fan in the window. <laughs> So you learn. You learn. You learn. You didn't realize how good you had it, boy, until you get out there on your own sometime. You learn. You learn. You learn. You learn. You learn. We begin to see the benefits and blessings of investing time and to gain understanding, insight about God. We learn about the, we learn about the Lord. We will know for ourselves that the Lord is good. And the more that we know about God's word and see it manifest in our lives, we discover that the Lord is good. My personal testimony is that the more is this, the more I got to know about the Lord, I found out his value was so much more than the world's riches combined. Cannot compare to what God is doing in my life. I like the way Jesus put in Mark chapter 8 verse 36. Let's go to Mark 8 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? For what will it profit a man if he gains or acquires, notice, the whole world, not part of the whole world, and loses his own soul? He damages or brings harm to his own soul, his own mind, and his own heart. You can gain the whole world and be in worse shape than what you were. If you didn't have it. Gain the whole world. But lose your soul. Notice. What's in the world? Riches. Carnal thinking. All types of things. But none of them will benefit you. Like having God. Now God wants you to have things. Don't get me wrong. But he wants you to have him more. No, He don't want the things to have you. I put it to you like that. He does not want the things to have you. I have to be careful not to embrace so much of the world, things in the world, things and people of the past that I damage and harm my own soul. My mind will get stressed out. My mind gets twisted in my thinking. My feelings get out of control and begin to control me rather than me controlling them. That's the world. When our mindset gets stuck in, the, stuck in the past, we can gain worldly influence, worldly recognition, and worldly acceptance, but at the expense of losing who we are in Christ. Jesus lets us know that we, that we made the choice to follow him. We cannot afford to be looking back on things in the past, whether they happened before we got saved or after we got saved. And after we pursue Jesus, we cannot look back. It's a process. It's going to take time. We have to keep pressing forward toward the mark that will keep, help us to get that higher calling of being forward-minded. Paul reminded us, reminded us of this importance of dealing with our mindset and our memory when he's speaking to the Philippian church. Now, we also want to look at another scripture that I think that is important to what we're talking about. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. The book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. 
Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back. Looking means this, turn our thoughts a certain direction. Direct our mind in a certain direction. And in this particular case, back simply means not forward. When a person does that, they're not fit or useful for the kingdom of God. Jesus letting us know that anyone who puts his hand to the plow, the plow has to do with our work for Christ, the tools to cultivate us into being Christ-minded. Anybody who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We're not fit, so we need to, listen, if you find yourself not being fit, avoid doing the things that cause you to be unfit. Repent. Repent can get you back on the right course, on the right course. My prayer is that when I strive to be God conscious, so God conscious to the point that I can discern when I'm thinking or doing things what cause me to be looking back. If you find yourself being pulled back, drawn back to see things, you know what, uh, don't be like the, the children of Israel. They start looking back, you know, Moses. At least back in Egypt, we had some, they kept what? Looking back kept looking back. You don't want to be a person that keeps looking back. You know, when I was unsaved, I, I, you know, people say stuff like this. When I was unsaved, I was happy. Really? You were probably high when you were happy. But were you really happy? You had fake friends you thought you were happy. It's a deception that the enemy will do if you're not careful. Don't let us get distracted, discouraged, and, and direct our mind back to them old days. I, you might miss what's ahead of you, and you might find yourself in a position where you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, let's go back to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. The prophet Isaiah is, is, is establishing First of all, the sovereignty, power, and authority of God in the beginning of Isaiah 43. We'll start at Isaiah 43 and verse 1. Before you, while you're getting Isaiah 43 and verse 1, remember this. We see God, Isaiah 43 reminds us that God is our redeemer. A redeemer is one who's willing to give a ransom, make a sacrifice to free another. Jesus is our New Testament redeemer. It's that he paid the price that freed us from the guilt and condemnation of sin. A redeemer has certain rights and authorities and authority others don't have. A redeemer has earned the right to say and do things that others can't. And we see that in today's script today's text. We start at Isaiah 43. We'll read down 1 through 7. But now, thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Thank God we belong to him. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Isn't it good to know you go through all the different things and God going to be with you? 
That's the only way you ain't going to burn up or drown and so forth. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia, and Siva in your place. Isaiah 43, verse 4, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Verse 5, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Verse 6, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I've created for my glory, I have formed him. Formed him. Yes, I have made him in verse 7. Then we go down to verse 18 and verse 19, where our text is for today. I want to read it to you, then go back, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and verse 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Again, 18, do not remember, do not recall or call to mind the former things, the things that take place in the past. Do not put yourself in a situation that reminds you of heartaches, painful moments, things that you left, that left you doubting yourself. Do not put yourself. When you find yourself start doubting yourself, start uh, questioning yourself, put it behind you. Put it behind you. Now, do we, all, do we all need to improve? Of course we do. But we still got to work on pressing forward. Pressing forward. Do not spend time on things that stirs up feelings of resentment, bitterness, feelings of stress, and being overwhelmed. You know, a lot of times I found out that the biggest time I got overwhelmed, it was nobody around me. It's just me thinking. Two people only got that. Let me try that one more time. When I, felt, when I felt overwhelmed, it was nobody doing nothing to me except me doing that to me. I felt overwhelmed. I said, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I overwhelmed? And I'm sitting here watching television with the fan going, ceiling fan going. Got soda sitting here beside me. Got some, a snack here beside me. Why am I feeling overwhelmed? Start thinking about stuff I, you know, stuff I need to do. I learned you got to do stuff one step at a time. That's why I love when he said, I press forward. I got to do one step at a time. Okay, if you got 22 things to do tomorrow, you got to start just one step at a time. One step at a time. Holy Spirit, and you thought, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? Okay, you want me to do two and a half, then go back, number seven, then go back to four. I mean, you just got to follow the leading God of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? By the end of the day, you may not have all 22 done. But you're going to have what God wants you done, though. And you got to be okay with that. And then sometimes you're going to come up a little bit short, but you've got to keep pressing forward. Pressing forward. Pressing forward. And he says this, 43 and 18, nor consider the things of old. So I don't, I want to, when he says consider, consider means give heed or ponder the things of old or the former things. He says don't do it. We don't do it. Most of us know our own things we need to let go of. That's not a person in this room. 
if you think hard enough, you ain't probably got to think that hard. He said, no, I got to let some stuff go. I got to forget the things that are behind me and press forward. I know, I know Pastor, I got some things, but I got some, I got some things too. I got my own personal things I need to let go. I've been thinking about the past, thinking about what happened to me, thinking about what they did to me, thinking about that old job, thinking about my high school teacher told me that I wasn't going to make it, that my middle school teacher told me I wasn't going to make it. That was 22 years ago. You ought to quit that. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You may not be like anybody else, but God created you special and unique. We can spend time thinking and pondering how we think that people treated us, talked to us, didn't do what we thought they should have done. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to us plainly. Do not remember or recall the former things, the things in the past, nor consider or give heed to the things of old or the former things. Undoubtedly, some of us are holding on to things that are hindering us from moving forward or being a forward-minded believer or a forward-minded church. And a forward-minded person is progressive, focusing on the future, willing to learn and make adjustments. You know, I was thinking about this too. A forward-minded person don't mind saying, God, please forgive me. I messed up. You know what? David was in a situation where he was... He was praying for that child, fasting for that child before that child passed away. And when that child passed away, they, they were scared to tell him. They were afraid to tell him. But when he looked at that, when uh, they, David looked at them, he said, the child has passed, Danny. All right, bring me something to eat then. You know what he did? He moved forward. He moved forward. He moved forward. And we, and we have to learn how in our own personal way, our own personal time with God, how to move forward from things in our life. How to move forward. How to move forward. Isaiah 43 and 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Behold, he said, listen, this is going to be something that's remarkable or impressive. I will do or produce a new thing or first thing. Now it's your spring forth. It's going to grow. It's going to grow abundantly. You know, when I first saw this, I was thinking, you know, God's going to be doing something great all over the earth. But I realized he's doing a new thing in each and every one of our lives. He's doing something new in me. He is doing something new in you. He is doing a new thing. But to do the new things, you got to forget the old things. You know what? You got to forget being broke so you can embrace being a millionaire. You got to forget being sick so you can embrace healing. You got to embrace being bombarded with negative thoughts so you can embrace the mind of Christ. You got to forget those things. Because why? He's doing a work in the sanctuary. In order for us to be a forward-minded church, we got to embrace what God is doing for us in this sanctuary. God is taking us to new heights, new levels, but he's doing it one step at a time. He is not rushing us. He's saying, I'm going to do this for my people. I thank God that he brought the bishop in to start it. But you know what? He's continuing the process. He's telling us, hey, Dobbs, y'all got to forget the old things. 
Yeah, I know y'all made it for 20-something years now, but you got to forget that and keep pressing forward. Because if you press forward, you'll see yourself in 26 years and 27 years and 28 years of ministry and 29 years of ministry and 30 years of ministry. And you'll see yourself doing great things for the kingdom of God. Why? Because God is doing it. You're going to say, it's not me doing it. It's not you doing it. It's God doing a new thing in your life. Therefore, we must embrace, hold on to what God's doing. Pastor, I don't, it doesn't make sense what God's doing for me. He wants me to do this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? I know what you did in the past, but what God says, you got to forget that and embrace what God wants to do in your life in 2023. Get you ready for 2024. You know, your past just got you ready for your future, don't you? You know your past got you ready for your future. You, you know, I know you, that's why he says forget it. It's just prepared you. You know what? As much as I appreciate kindergarten through 12th grade, I don't plan on going back. I don't plan on going back. I appreciate it, but I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Why? Because I'm looking forward to what God has for me in the future. And God not only has for me, he's got for each person in the sanctuary. You can see God's doing a new thing. He's producing in us something new. Don't you thank God that God teach you how to give and now you got that good measure pressed down, shaking together, running over in your life right now? Isn't it good to know, amen, that God is doing it seemingly, abundantly, above anything you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us? That is a new thing. It wasn't there before, but God's doing it now. He's doing it right now. Isn't it good to know he's renewing your mind with the word of God right now? He's doing a new thing in us. Is forget the former. Yeah, I know what you did before, but forget the former. In the latter part of verse 19, shall you not know it? You're going to know it. You're going to learn and be, it's going to be revealed to you. And then he goes on to show us, I will even make a road in the wilderness. He's going to set a road, a way of direction in and hunt uninhabited land. And I like this. He's going to put streams in the desert, in desolate places. You know why it's a miracle? Because you don't find where is the source of the stream going to come from if he puts it in the desert? Oh, you got, you got to hear that. You got to hear that. You got to hear that. A stream needs a source. A stream needs unlimited source. If not, it's just going to be a, a splash of water and that heat going to dry it up. But when you got a stream running through the desert, you know that's a miracle right there. You know that's a miracle. And God said, I want to do a miracle in your life. I'm starting the miracle in your life. And don't you underestimate it. If I can put a stream in the desert, I can pay off your debt. I can heal your body. I can make you see like you never saw before. I can do exceedingly abundantly in your life because I'm doing a new thing. Notice what Abraham said. Nobody made me rich but God. He said, God is my source. And when God is your source, it's unlimited what he can do in your life. A stream in the desert? Where, where, is, where, where, the, source, where the water coming from? It's a desert. It's a stream in the desert. And if God is doing a stream in the desert, what is God going to do in our lives? 
to be a forward-minded church, we got to embrace what God is doing. If he's going to put a stream in the desert, boy, can you imagine he's going to do something exciting? Uh, I'll give you, listen, unlimited, all things going to work together for your good. He's going to do what he's going to do. Is it anything too hard for God? Come on, is anything too hard for my God? Is anything too hard for my God? If he can do these two things, I know what he's doing in our lives. It's going to be remarkable. I like where he started off. He said, behold. Ooh, this is going to be remarkable. You ought to, so, hey, somebody say, behold. Say it to yourself, behold. God is doing something great in your life. That's why he says, behold, I want to show it to you. And when I do it, I want you to embrace it. Don't say, don't be talking about, well, I know it ain't going to happen for me. I know he can't do it for me. I know that must be for somebody else. No, this is for you. And this is for me. He's doing it for all of us. So what I want to do is, I want I need to make a daily effort to let go or release the former things and embrace, welcome, and accept the new and fresh thing that God is doing in my life. I got to forget the old, but I promise you, when you embrace this new right here, your life is not going to be the same. When you embrace this right here, what God is doing, you ain't going to be like Psalms 34. And what it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Will you embrace this right here? Oh, oh, I see why he told me to let this go. You will willingly forget the past. You will willingly forget the past. What God is doing. I'm speaking to somebody in the sanctuary. I pray that you embrace it. I pray that you grab a hold of it. If, if, if you can embrace what God is getting ready to do in your life, you will willingly let go of the past. Every time the devil will bring your past, whew, my future look better with Jesus. My hope looks better in Jesus. Because why? I'm embracing it. I'm grabbing a hold of it. Now, let me share one more thing before I close. The enemy will try to tell you it's not going to work for you. The enemy will say, that's good for Pastor Dobbs. That's good for the senior so-and-sos. But let me say this to you. God says this is a corporate anointing. This is not just for one person. This is for everybody who will embrace it. One thing I see about this text, you've got to make the decision to embrace it. You've got to make the decision to hold on to it. What God is doing in your life, let us all embrace it. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225.
1-800-227-5385. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.